0: I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. (laughs) We knew we had a
1: screw loose. Two months before Afghanistan, he's virtue signaling about white rage, white privilege, something far more serious, though, far more serious that we just found out. So there's a new book out about the Trump administration. Now, it's by Bob Woodward, and I'm sometimes skeptical of him. And uh, CNN, they're the only ones who have a copy. But it looks like General Milley may have engaged in something of a coup against President Trump, undermined his authority in huge ways. Now this book, which will be available in uh, about a week, uh, and again, we're going off of their reporting, but this is what it says. Two days after the January 6 attack on the U.S. Capitol, President Trump's military advisor, General Mark Milley, single-handedly took secret action to limit Trump from potentially ordering military action or launching nuclear weapons, according to Peril, a new book by... Bob Woodward. Now, Woodward and his co author write that Millie was deeply shaken by January 6th, and he was certain that Trump had gone into a serious mental decline in the aftermath of the election, with Trump all but manic, screaming at officials, and constructing his own alternate reality about the election results. So, Millie, they report, took extraordinary action and called a secret meeting. At the Pentagon uh, on January 8th to review launch procedures. According to senior military officials in charge uh, in the Pentagon's war room, Milley instructed them not to take orders from anyone unless he, General Mark Milley, was involved. No matter what you are told, you do the procedure, you do the process, and I'm part of that process, Milley told the officers. According to the book, he went around. And got a verbal consent from everybody in the room. He considered that an oath. Um, now, he also talked with Nancy Pelosi during this time, and Nancy was hysterical. Oh, if President Trump couldn't assault, stop the assault on the Capitol, uh, what else is he capable of doing? And Millie says, Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything. Now, Woodward himself and Costa, his co author, right? Milley was overseeing the mobilization of America's national security state without the knowledge of the American people or the rest of the world. Woodward and Costa also write that some might contend, yeah, that Milley had overstepped his authority and taken extraordinary power for himself, although Milley himself thought he was acting in good faith. Um, Milley... I don't believe whatever his motivations, whatever he was telling himself, this sounds downright criminal. And well before January 6th, I had my eye on this guy. Now, do you remember when Donald Trump in the middle of the Black Lives Matter summer walked to the church across the street and held up that Bible? You remember that, we all saw it. Quite frankly, I thought it was a great moment. Now the fake news, they were never so offended How could a man walk in front of a church and just hold up a Bible like that after the grounds had been cleared of rioters, rioters who tried to burn down that church? The fake news was horrified, and apparently so was General Milley. Now, General Milley wasn't even part of the photo op, and that's what they dismissively call it, just a photo op. But he did walk across the street uh, to the church with the president. This is one of the only pictures that exists. Well, as you know, uh, General Milley kind of wet his pants about that whole thing, and uh, went on a weird, bizarre apology tour.
0: As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics.
1: It didn't really spark a national debate. It didn't. Uh, I don't know why he made that apology. I have my theory, though. He was signaling to the swamp, I'm with you. I'm not with President Trump. Because what does he do next? After he says uh, we should never be involved in partisan politics,
0: he dives right in to all the hot-button political issues of our time. The protests that have ensued not only speak to his killing, but also to the centuries of injustice towards African-Americans. What we are seeing is the long shadow of our original sin in Jamestown 401 years ago, liberated by the Civil War, but not equal in the eyes of the law until 100 years later in 1965. We are still struggling with racism and we have much work to do. This is a military man. What is he
1: talking about George Floyd for in the protests? It's not his role. It's totally, totally inappropriate and totally against, well, the apology that he just made for being so partisan
0: more racism and discrimination structural preferences patterns of mistreatment unspoken and unconscious bias have no place in america and they have no place in our armed forces we must we can and we will do better
1: how does he propose to fight unspoken and unconscious bias by the way how's he going to tackle that one again it's not his role He should have been thinking about Afghanistan. There's more, and there's something very sinister coming, but there's
0: more. And we should all be proud that the vast majority of protests have been peaceful. Peaceful protest means that American freedom is working.
1: All right. I remember those protests. I lived through them. They weren't peaceful. They were riots. That was a horrible, horrible time. Why is he characterizing it as if he's a talking head
0: on MSNBC? There's something not right about this guy. The freedoms guaranteed to us in the Constitution allow people to demand change, just as the peaceful protesters are doing all across the country. (laughs)
1: Lecturing us about what's in the Constitution. Peaceful protests, again, not peaceful. But here's where I think he's sending a signal a subliminal signal almost to the swamp, to Democrats, maybe even a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy. Take a look, listen carefully. Look at his
0: eyes. All of us in uniform are willing to die for that idea, the idea that is America. And so we must also be willing to live for that idea, for freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of, to peacefully assemble and freedom to vote and freedom to believe as you wish in your religion. These are essential freedoms that are the cornerstone of our country. Americans have spilled their blood to protect them in the past, and they continue to be worth fighting for. This we will defend.
1: This we will defend. If you're not listening carefully, you can say, oh, that sounds great. You're going to fight for all those freedoms, things like that. Those freedoms at that point are not substantially at risk domestically. January 6th is months away. What does he know? What is he getting at? What is he signaling? That we will fight for. Every time they try to bring in the National Guard to maintain order, the fake news and the establishment in the swamp all freaked out. What is he getting at? What is he signaling? I'm not sure, but I think we're getting a better idea. Uh, again, it is a tragedy that he was not more focused on Afghanistan. We saw all this virtue signaling, he's having fun talking about George Floyd. Look at me, I get it, subconscious racism. But look at what he should have been worried about. This is what he should have been preventing. This was his job. Meanwhile, today, the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, on Capitol Hill, this time in person at least, they didn't try to zoom it. And, uh, you know, he's sticking to his talking points. But God bless Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas. He was amazing and he said what had to be said.
2: Ever since the disaster began unfolding in Afghanistan, we've seen the Biden administration making political excuses. We've seen Democrats on this committee explaining at great length how everything that happened in Afghanistan is Trump's fault. It's all Trump's fault. Mr. Secretary Joe Biden is the President of the United States, Kamala Harris is the Vice President of the United States, you are the United States Secretary of State. Just like Jimmy Carter owns the disaster of the Iran hostage crisis, you own this.
1: He does. Great. And Ted Cruz has any notes, by the way. Nobody prepares questions for him, he just asks.
2: You keep saying things like the steps the Taliban needs to take to be welcomed into the community of civilized nations. Mr. Secretary, they don't want to be welcomed into the community of civilized nations. They are terrorists who want to murder us. This administration doesn't understand that. Joe Biden doesn't understand that.
1: And what a shame, huh? What a shame that they don't. More.
2: Abandoning the Bagram airfield, giving it to the Taliban. That is a decision that a hundred years from now will be studied at war colleges as a colossal strategic mistake, giving up two secure airfields, necessitating an evacuation from a dense urban environment, a commercial airport, which led tragically to the suicide bombings and murders that killed. 13 american servicemen and women
1: people give him a hard time but he's one of our finest legislators ever and i hope one day he's president more
2: leaving billions of dollars of american military equipment that the taliban will now use to threaten our lives earlier in this hearing you you said about that equipment quote none of it poses a strategic threat to us or their neighbors. That does not pass the laugh test. When you're looking at the Taliban potentially having 64,000 machine guns, 33 Black Hawk helicopters, 16,000 night vision goggles, we will see American blood spilled because of these colossal mistakes.
1: It was an amazing performance. He said what had to be said. Blinken, meanwhile, Uh, just stood there and kind of took it, uh, sticking to his talking points. We didn't learn anything new from him. Um, But the disaster in Afghanistan, we have got to figure that out. We have got to prevent something like this from happening again. I don't know when we'll ever be in these uh, circumstances again. Oh, there's something else. Uh, You may have heard about the um, strike at the Kabul airport just after they got our 13 soldiers. We responded. And, uh, well, here's the news back then when it happened.
3: Good morning, you two. We are learning of this explosion in a neighborhood near the Kabul airport. A Taliban spokesperson says a US airstrike targeted a suicide bomber that wanted to hit the airport.
1: All right, yes, there was a lot of news about that. And General Milley spoke um, in a particularly cryptic fashion, I thought. This This is a
0: bureaucrat warrior, to be sure. At the time, and I think this is still valid, Uh, we had very good intelligence uh, that isis-k was preparing uh, a specific type vehicle uh, at a specific type location Uh, we monitored that through various means um, and um, all of the engagement criteria were being met we went through the same level of rigor that we've done for years uh, and we took a strike all right um there's something kind of odd
1: in the way he's talking about this and i'm not quite sure what it is but uh, making sure that we know that the processes have been, just kill the guy, what's up? More.
0: We know that there were secondary explosions. Uh, because there were secondary explosions, there's a reasonable uh, conclusion to be made that there was explosives in that vehicle. The third thing is we know from a variety of other means that at least one of those people that were killed was a ISIS facilitator. Uh, so, were there others killed? Yes, there are others killed. Who they are, we don't know. Uh, we'll try to sort through all that. Uh, but we believe that the procedures at this point, I don't want to influence the outcome of an investigation. Um, but at this point, we think that the procedures were correctly followed. And it's a righteous strike.
1: All right. So why is he being so cagey? They got the wrong guy. They got an innocent guy. And the fake news doesn't even care about it. The fake news has totally moved on. They got an aid worker. An aid worker who had a bunch of children, by the way. We have his picture, and we have the picture of his kids. This guy was an innocent. Joe Biden wanted to look tough. And they took out an innocent person. They took out an innocent person and their children. And nobody's talking about it. Hmm? Isn't that interesting? Meanwhile, when Trump killed a genuine terror leader, Soleimani from Iran, who was at the Baghdad airport in Iraq, and they decided to take a strike... And it was amazing this guy had been responsible for so much mayhem, the fake news lost their minds about this. Talk about a righteous strike. This was 1,000% justified, but they didn't like it.
4: Killing Soleimani would not have stopped an imminent attack any more than, I guess, killing Eisenhower would have stopped D-Day. Was it safer today? Or was it safer before Soleimani was killed? Just just speaking today, in terms of those yeah, Americans,
2: it was safer before Soleimani was killed.
4: They don't defend Soleimani, but they also don't think that a president should be an imperial president and just assassinate people whenever he damn well feels like it, when there's not an imminent threat. You can you can understand
1: that Soleimani was a bad person. Sure, but you could also you also can want the administration, or at least to hold them accountable, to give the evidence of. How it was imminent? Because you heard the president saying, well, we stopped him from doing some bad things. Well, where's the evidence of that? You see how they try to trip him up on everything? They're not disputing that Soleimani was a bad guy and needed... he was, And they got the guy. They got the right guy. And look at what they give him. Brings me back to President Bush, George W. Bush. He is the new hero of the swamp. They're still swooning about that speech he gave in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. We played some of it last night. There's another portion that's really grinding my gears, shall we say.
0: Malign force seems at work in our common life that turns every disagreement into an argument and every argument into a clash of cultures. So much of our politics has become a naked appeal to anger, fear, and resentment. That leaves us worried about our nation and our future together.
1: All right. Uh, this is the guy who invented, helped perfect wedge issues, culture war issues. His buddy, Karl Rove, they perfected this stuff, especially in 2004 when Iraq was going so poorly. What did they come up with? Divisive culture war issues like gay marriage. George W. Bush came up with the idea, never would happen, that he wanted a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. It was a wedge issue a culture war issue that he made happen this guy can be a downright dirty fighter when he's fighting for himself remember what happened between him and john mccain all the way back in the year 2000 mccain was on a roll he won new hampshire and george w bush had to win south carolina so george w bush just like his father went down into the sewer when it suited him and tried to find dirt on John McCain.
2: Governor Bush had a, had an event and he paid for it and standing and stood next to a spokesman for a fringe veterans group. That fringe veteran said that John McCain had abandoned the veterans. Now, I don't know how, if you can understand this, George, but that really hurts. Yeah. That, that really hurts. You should be ashamed. Yeah, let me speak. You should be ashamed. No. Is, Is he, he responsible here? for what someone else says? Well, this same man, he stood next to him. It was his event. This same man had attacked his father viciously. Yeah, You yeah. should be ashamed yeah, let, of let me sponsoring say something. an event let me with that man there who had attacked your own father. I believe that you served our country nobly. And I've said it over and over again. That man wasn't speaking for me. He may have a dispute with you. Let me finish, please. Please. He's listed as you. Let me finish. So
1: now that he's retired, now that, as he said, he's had all the fame and power that anybody can want, he can act like the elder statesman and diss Trump and diss all of us who support Trump and like what he stood for and liked how he fought, and he can protect the swamp and that's his way back, basically to uh, I don't know, rehabilitated status. All right, because Iraq is his fault. He made it happen, no weapons of mass destruction, and it did nothing to make us safer. I just thought that Afghanistan would have ended better. It should have. It should have. All right, much more to talk about tonight. I'll be right back.
4: Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to newsmaxtv.com slash podcasts for other platforms.
2: Something's coming. I hear it calling. All I can say is, Is that, that the, the
1: fake, fake news, news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do they? Do they? <laughs> So the fake news, ooh, they love Vogue magazine. Vogue magazine, um, I know lots of people like it. It's changed a lot. Uh, still, I guess people read magazines somewhere. They got this big Met Gala they throw every year. It seems pretty ridiculous. They take over a museum in uh, Manhattan, and they wear pretty outlandish uh, clothes, these actually look fairly normal so far. You're about to see... Yeah, okay, there we go. All right? It gets pretty, pretty crazy. And uh, anyway, you can do whatever you want. That's fine. Uh, but this stuff tends to impact the rest of the culture. They try to set the tone for the rest of us. And just so you know, Megan Rapino went there. Remember the purple hair girl? Uh, the soccer player, the annoying one, always bowing, kneeling, apologizing. And she always wants us to know about her orientation. She did last night with a great big pen. Can I see it, please? In gay, we trust. Uh, now, I don't like that. I mean, we know what it's supposed to say. Why would you? Uh, I don't like that. I just don't. I wouldn't like in straight, we trust. It just makes no sense. But this is her brand. This is what she pushes. And this is what the culture is pushing for Unknown reasons. I don't know yet why. But boy, oh boy, do they push it.
2: We got
3: white girls and black girls. And everything in between. Straight girls and gay girls. Hey! Being a gay athlete
5: and just being a female soccer player, trying to be the best that you can, like gives younger kids someone to look up to. I'm a gay female
0: athlete. I can't ever just be one thing.
1: Can everybody just one that? Who cares? You can't get her to shut up about it. She goes on a game show. Describe yourself in one word, Megan. Gay! It's like a bad movie from the 1960s or the 1990s. Who remembers Austin Powers? Uh, the international man of mystery, right? He used to shag women all over the world. And he had that silly pendant around, the male sex symbol, right? Uh, it was cheesy. It was over the top. Uh, he talked about betting women all the time. Quite frankly, it's cheesy when gay people do that as well, including you, Megan Rapino, in my opinion. Also at that ball last night, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Of course she was there, of course, with uh, a silly dress that says tax the rich. I know everybody's already made the point that this thing could not have happened without rich people, the whole event where she was. But if she really wanted to tax the rich, if she really was about ideas and not just virtue signaling and social media sensationalism, she could have welcomed Amazon to her district. Did you know the most successful company in the history of the world wanted to make their headquarters in Queens, New York, part of her district, covers that area? Any congressperson would love that. She didn't, she fought so hard against Amazon coming to her district, this is about two years ago or so. She won that fight and she was so stupid that she thought actually she had done a good job on that.
3: I think it's incredible. I mean, it shows that everyday Americans still have the power to organize and fight for their communities and they can have more say in this country than the richest man in the world.
1: Uh, again, I, she, this is back when she really didn't know anything about tax incentives, actually had no idea what they were, got them wrong publicly when she was asked to describe basics of the economy. She did not know. She still does not know. But it's okay because she's AOC, right? She's got 10 million followers on Instagram. She's everywhere. She was on the cover of Time Magazine. She went to the ball. She's hot. She's it. She's young. She's pretty. She's Hispanic. That's all that matters anymore. What's on the outside in politics? I think she might run for president probably pretty soon, just like Barack Obama did. So Barack Obama uh, declared for president in 2007. I think, can we have a little bit of that?
3: I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America.
1: He had been a United States senator for just two years at that point. Two years. Did he think people were voting for him because uh, of his legislative prowess? He was no master of the Senate. He had not run anything. He wasn't in the military. It wasn't about ideas. It was about marketing. It was about skin color. It was about a unique name. It was about a story. It was all nonsense. All nonsense. And fortunately, so much of politics is nonsense, It's one of the reasons why, quite frankly, I preferred Trump because, believe it or not, the fake news will never tell the truth about this. He ran a campaign about ideas, about ideas, and that's one of the reasons why they hate him so much. I'll be right back.
0: We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us.
1: Oh, sorry, Mr. President. His patience is wearing thin. Ooh, we don't want to get him mad. You know what? People have reservations, and it's okay. This is a land we value freedom. We value freedom. We don't like the government telling us what to do. And you're about to see a nurse speak out. We don't know actually who she is but she speaks so powerfully and movingly and makes a lot of sense about her reluctance. Well, she actually took the vaccine, (laughs) but she's warning others who may have some concern. Now, I took the vaccine. I'm not telling anybody else to do it. I did, that was my choice. Let's hear from the nurse.
3: Because on February 3rd, I had my second Pfizer in the Cancer Institute. And within six minutes, My arms and legs went numb, Mm -hmm. I had hives, my Mm -hmm. face went numb, my heart rate went up to 160 Mm -hmm. to 180. I was rushed to the emergency room with anaphylactic shock, just like Trey. Mm And we are being censored, we are being diminished. Mm I have had the last seven months of my life taken away from me. Mm -hmm. For two months I couldn't function, they thought I had multiple sclerosis. proud of February 3rd. I'm a 35-year-old healthy woman that works out four times a week, that can take care of her eight- and her four-year-old, and she can go to work and take care of cancer patients. And all of a sudden, I'm at home in bed, my head's spinning, my blood pressure is 70 over 30. Mm. I'm standing here right now with sinus tachycardia. My heart rate is at 100 or above all the time. Mm. All the time, and we are being diminished. And I'm just standing here with all of you because if there is a risk of harm, there should be choice in the matter.
1: There's a risk of harm, there should be choice in the matter. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of FDA-approved drugs come with uh, side effects, and you can see them in the commercials. They'll announce them. Uh, if you take this, it could lead to A, B and C. So anyway, I like her. Again, this is a decision for us. I took it, consulted my wife, and uh, yeah I took it, the Pfizer. Uh, so it worked for me. I think it's up to each and every one of us. Now. This uh, young man, he's 21 years old, he goes to uh, Tennessee State, and he's in a bit of a fix, actually, after he took the vaccine.
5: I am in the hospital right now with heart complications from the COVID-19 vaccine, and I want to inform as many people as I can about the risks from taking the vaccine that I wish someone would have told me. So I am a Division one student athlete with no prior health issues and I got the second COVID shot Tuesday, and within four days, I have been diagnosed with myocarditis, and was told that I probably won't be able to play my senior season now.
1: Wow. John Stokes, we're gonna meet him in just a little bit. 21, great athlete. Now, the position he's in, should he really have been forced or urged even to take that vaccine? healthy guy like that, just 21 years old, prime of life, great athlete. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, can't wait to meet him, though. You know who Nicki Minaj is, right? Very talented singer, somewhat controversial. Let's hear a little bit from her.
3: I uh,
1: Nicki Minaj. The only thing I know about Nicki is um, I like one of her songs, I can't name right now, and she used to work at Red Lobster. And she's from the New York area, or at least has a lot of roots here. Uh, Anyway, she tweeted this. It's a lot of information. Warning. My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. All right. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision. Not bullied. Not bullied, I guess, into taking the uh, vaccine. Well, uh, Joy Reid had to get involved. You know her? Very hateful woman, I'm sorry to say, on MSNBC. She has said some awful things about gay people online. And, oh, um, uh, she's a real hater. Hate to say it, but uh, it's true. Anyway, uh, now she hates
0: uh, Nicki Minaj. And people like Nicki Minaj, I have to say this. You have a platform, sister, that is 22 million followers. OK, I have two million followers. You have 22 million followers on Twitter for you to use your platform to encourage our community to not protect themselves and save their lives. My God, sister, you could do better than that. you got that platform. It's it's a blessing. It's a blessing that you got that that people listen to you and they listen to you more than they listen to me. For you to use your platform to put people in the position of dying from a disease they don't have to die from. Oh, my God. As a fan, as a hip hop fan, as somebody who is your fan, I'm so sad that you did that. So sad
3: that you did that, sister. Oh, my God.
1: All right, sister, sister, sister. Well, take a look at uh, this tweet that we found. This is from the same woman who just called out uh, Nicki Minaj. She wrote this a year ago. I mean, will anyone, anyone at all, ever fully trust the CDC again? And who on God's earth would trust a vaccine approved by the U.S. FDA? How do we get a vaccine distributed after this broken Trumpist nonsense has infected everything, even if Biden wins? Uh, What a hypocrite, huh? What a hypocrite. One more from Nicki Minaj. What does she say? We'll give her the last word. I'm sure I'll be vaccinated as well because I have to go on tour, etc. Did she say anything back to uh, Nick? The, the anyway, she's too big for that. All right. Uh, we should point out. Did you know this? That uh, nobody at the post office has to get vaccinated, and nobody in Congress has to get vaccinated either. Um, interesting, right? A mandate for everybody else. Now, there are 600,000 federal employees at the post office. They have a different labor contract, apparently. They don't have to abide by the mandate. Hey, quite frankly, I like that. And Congress, uh, they're off the hook as well. I don't like the mandate. Uh, just like that nurse said, when there's a risk, there should be a choice. All right, now this. Yeah. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, of course, of course. But not the way the Black Lives Matter movement and organization say they matter. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. It's sad but true. No, Black Lives Matter, including the life of four-year-old Suni Bell. She was laid to rest last week. Police are making a plea for help finding her killer. Now, she died on Sunday, August 22nd, after being shot in Tampa, Florida, a four-year-old. Sonny was riding in a car with her mother when someone in another car started shooting at the back of their car. One bullet hit Sunny, and she died at the hospital. Detectives say she was not the intended target and that it may have been a case of mistaken identity. Her grandmother says she just wants justice and peace for the family.
5: Just turn yourself in, cause you can't hide You can't run. Just turn yourself in. That's all. We just want justice for my grandbaby. She ain't before,
3: she ain't even seen her life yet. She was just starting her life. Just
0: started, and she just started school.
1: Just started school. My goodness. Uh, No arrests. Uh, Police really have no leads here. There is a reward of $10,000 being offered for information on the shooter. The incident prompted 19 local elected officials to schedule a virtual forum focusing on preventing gun violence. And I'm going to revisit an idea that I've uh, been kicking around for a while. And this is for you, Mr. President, Mr. Barack Obama. You are leading an amazing life. You are soon to be, if not already, a billionaire. You have everything you could ever want, all the privilege and status and money. How about... Rolling up your sleeves and going to work. You started out as a community organizer. You still command great respect, especially in urban neighborhoods. You could go there. You could go back to Chicago, which is ground zero, roll up your sleeves and get these kids to stop killing each other. You could broker peace between warring gangs, and if you did that, you would actually be worthy of the Nobel Peace Prize the one that you have that you actually don't deserve. But you would command my respect big time. I hope you consider it. I know there's a chance you might fail, there's a chance you won't look cool, but I really think that you could save lives and that would be awesome. And there was a time where you were brave enough to call out simple truths that people didn't want to discuss, but you did. And this is one of the reasons why you won the election. Two of them, because you said things that, at the time, a lot of people couldn't, like this.
2: Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up with a fa- out of father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school. 20 times more likely to end up in prison.
1: That was true. But you don't talk about that anymore. You got slapped around by the left wing of your party. Jesse Jackson didn't like what you said. He threatened to cut your you-know-what off. But you don't owe anything to Jesse Jackson. You don't owe anything to anybody. You got the platform. Why not? Why not? Really. You could save lives. I believe it. You could negotiate peace between these warring gangs. Go into the inner city. Try it. What do you have to lose? We'll be right back. September 11, 2001. On that day, terrorists commandeered huge jumbo jets, airliners, 757s, 767s, and crash them into buildings. Well, I'm hearing that there's a lot of chatter right now about smaller planes, private jets, which are not as well protected and fortified as the big airliners these days. Security around private jets is nothing like compared to what you encounter with major airlines. And the terrorists, some of them May have their eye on these smaller planes, and they could carry out potentially 9 11 style attacks, however, with smaller aircraft. I'd like to bring in Jim Hansen. He is the president of the Security Studies Group. He is a former U.S. Army Special Forces Green Beret and author of Winning the Second War Without Firing a Shot. Jim, uh, first of all, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Good to be with you, Greg. So it kind of makes sense um, that they would be looking at smaller aircraft. I was only on a private plane once. It was uh, a stunt, really. I didn't I got a tour of one Um, and you could just walk right up to the jet. There's no security and the cockpit door is wide open. You think the terrorists are considering such a uh, such a vehicle for who knows what?
4: Of course they are. There would be no reason not to pick another spectacular effect. And that's one thing they look for. And I got to be honest, it's fortunate for us that they do try to, to pull some of these major stunts because there are a lot of simpler ways to attack us. We're basically a giant soft target, you know, the free liberal Western society that we are. But the idea of taking a plane of any kind and turning that into a weapon again just because it would invoke nine eleven has to be on their recipe for disaster. And if we don't take that more seriously, we could give them just the kind of victory they want. Yeah,
1: because I think they have probably would rule out American Airlines, Delta Airlines, any of the big airlines because the TSA. And by the way, they do a great job. They really do. Somebody came out with a study. Well, they've never thwarted a terror attack. I think one of the reasons is they're not trying. That is a hardened target. But these smaller private planes, they're, if you have enough money, $15,000 or so, you can rent one. Um, the potential for mayhem is there.
4: And we do, don't do background checks. We don't do any of the things for people who've got the cash to rent a private plane that we do for you know, just someone who's got the cash to buy an airline ticket. So between the two, they, they would absolutely be much smarter to take the route that is much less patrol. Now, I, I think also we have to take into account there, there are other places where they could do a mass transit, you know, a train, a bus, any place where we have those kind of, of numbers of passengers and, and that going on. But I just have the I share the feeling that you brought up at the beginning of this, that because it invokes 9-11, because it would be a follow on to that, especially in the aftermath of the debacle of you know, the Afghanistan withdrawal, for them to be able to do that again while they hold Afghanistan would be a, a horrendously, horrifyingly good victory for the enemy.
1: We've got to I think we have to harden that target. Uh, because it is far more accessible than a conventional airliner, these small private jets, and there are thousands of them out there. Jim Hansen, president of the Security Studies Group. We appreciate it very much. To be continued, we'll be right back. You're looking at John Stokes. He is a Division I college athlete at Tennessee State University. He's 21 years old. Great athlete, in great health, or was in great health. He got vaccinated. The Pfizer vaccine, uh, two doses. The last one was on August 31st, and soon thereafter he found himself in the hospital with myocarditis, a disease that causes inflammation of the heart muscle. Now he told the story on TikTok, and it went super duper viral. And uh we're glad that John Stokes is with us tonight. Uh first of all, uh Thank you for being here. How you feeling?
5: Um, I'm feeling fine. My heart's not hurting right now, so that's good.
1: First off, did your school or did anybody in your life mandate or force you to take this vaccine? So
5: it's not mandated yet, but we are under the impersonation that it was going to be mandated at some point during my season. And um, if we weren't vaccinated when this mandate happened, that I wasn't going to be able to play. So I went ahead and got vaccinated just in case.
1: You look a lot better now than you were just in that TikTok video, and that's great news. Uh, But how bad? Yeah, how bad did it get? And what is your situation now with myocarditis?
5: So uh, I had been diagnosed with myocarditis and pericarditis. Um, My heart, I was hospitalized for five days in the cardiology wing and my heart got to hurting so bad that I had tears coming out of my eyes. Um, It, it basically felt like I was having a heart attack for two days and I was informed that I'm probably going to miss my senior season and that I may potentially never recover from this.
1: Quite frankly, I had not heard about myocarditis. And uh, however, it is out there. There are studies linking it. We can put some up on the screen. Studies linking this to the COVID vaccine. And uh, it's out there. It's being talked about. What's your message? What do you want people to uh, take away from your story?
5: The most important thing is that I want to protect other people my age and especially other student athletes um, that the vaccine never gets mandated to go to school or Uh, to play sports because of side effects that can change your life like what has happened to me and i want to make sure that i protect uh, other student athletes
1: um i wish you the best and hopefully a totally full recovery and you're back out there on the golf course but john thanks very much for being with us thank you you bet our bodies our choice i think that's fair see you tomorrow